And so in this service, we've been trying to tell the story by looking to the scriptures. And you've noticed we've picked uh, up in the places in John's gospel where Jesus uh, gives his famous I am statements. I would turn your attention to one more passage, and I'll just read a couple of verses for you as we continue to reflect together tonight. In John 14, Jesus says this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms, and if it were not so, I would have told you. And then he goes on to say, I am the way and the truth and the life. I am. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you do know him. And you have seen him. This is God's word. These verses in John begin a long section of teaching from Jesus as he prepares to leave his disciples. So the very first thing that I should do tonight is acknowledge the irony of choosing a text where Jesus talks about his leaving the earth on a night where we gather to celebrate his coming to the earth. However, these I am statements in John's gospel are the best explanation that we have in the scriptures of the reality and the reasons for the incarnation. I am being the name by which God makes himself known. The implication in Jesus' mouth being that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. God tearing through the veil that separates heaven and earth the way babies are pushed into the world by their mothers. The birth itself is a metaphor because childbirth is an eruption. It's a violent bursting. I've been there four times. I know it to be true. But this birth, even more so, because in this birth, heaven is breaking into the world. And why? To what end? Well, that is where these I am statements that we've been looking at as a church all of this month are helpful. Without God, the world is starving, but Jesus is the bread of life. Without him, it is darkness and gloom, but he is the light of the world. Death looms over every happiness and casts its long shadow, but Jesus is the resurrection and the life. All the other I am statements, they give us so much to ponder, but they're all summed up in this one truth here, in the one that we read here, the most famous of them all in verse 6, where Jesus himself says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And so as we ponder this text for just a minute together, the first thing we should see is the state of the world apart from God, because we're told here, John 14 begins with the words, do not let your hearts be troubled. And the word there refers to something that's restless, something that's tossed around because of uncertainty or doubt, anxious. And we live in a world where anything is true. And that presents a big problem because if anything is true, then nothing is true. And if nothing is true, then there's no solid ground to stand on. Indeed, the ground beneath our feet seems to be shaking. And when that happens, it makes you shaky on the inside too. One author describes it as an unsettledness, a baseline antsy feeling that never leaves you feeling at home. Perhaps that's the best way to describe what Jesus means there, what Freud called not-at-homeness. And it's the cumulative effect of being disappointed by gaining the things we think will satisfy only to find that they don't. I've noticed this year, I don't know if you have how much we say, it doesn't feel like Christmas. And I don't think it's the Florida weather. I can't help but wonder if what we mean is that Christmas doesn't deliver. That even Christmas morning with presents under the tree and family gathered around, even that isn't joy enough. That all of our havings truly are wantings. But according to St. Augustine, the wanting, the longing, the incompleteness is itself a gift because they lead us home. They are postcards from home. 
And that's the second thing, that the text points us in the right direction. It tells us why we feel this way, why we have this anxiety of heart. It's because we've left home. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me, the implication being that somehow the way is blocked. And the Bible teaches just that, that in our sin, in our rebellion, the relationship we've meant to have with God has been ruptured. We are estranged from one another, and that this is the fundamental human problem. And so in the text, Jesus talks about his going away to prepare a home for us in heaven with God. Because God is our home. His presence is our home. And for all of the book Revelation has to say about what heaven will be like, the one promise that shines through, at least for me, are these words. The dwelling place of God will be with men, and they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And it's the language of knowing God and being known, because that is home. And so Augustine famously said, You've made us for yourselves, O God, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And truly, we, our hearts are restless, as we said, troubled, anxious, empty. For sin is the futile attempt to find a happiness apart from God, but no such thing exists. And therefore, human theater is tragedy because our heart's hunger is infinite, which means it will ultimately be disappointed by anything that is merely finite, but this doesn't stop us from foisting infinite expectations upon family and holidays and bank statements and vacations and career success to no end. Thus, Christmas, God came to us because we could not come to him. Worse, we would not. So he left home to come and make his home with us. He came in search of us because when you're lost, you have to be found. He came not as a moral philosopher, but as a savior to heal the wounded relationship between the father and his wayward children, which, which meant for him to be born in human likeness, but also born under the law, Paul says in Galatians 4, that is to redeem us through his obedient life and his sacrificial death. So maybe it's not so strange to talk about his coming from a text about his leaving. Jesus would be going back to the father through his death and resurrection, which is also the very reason why he came. In order to bring us home, he had to leave home. It's actually worse than that. He had to lose home because, and become the very curse of our sins to make things right between ourselves and God again, making peace, peace with God, which results in the peace of God, which is the opposite of the restless heart in verse 1, and is the gospel hope from the angels' voices themselves. Glory to God on the highest and peace on earth among those with whom he's pleased. I am the way and the truth and the life, Jesus said. And for the sake of time, instead of trying to explain all of that, which we don't have time to do, let me just say this. I think those words most clearly mean that Jesus, in Jesus, God came all the way. He came all the way. We don't meet him halfway. He had to come all the way. I listened to a podcast this past week about whether it matters if Mary was a virgin or not, if the virgin birth really is crucial to the Christian faith. Christians believe that very thing, that the incarnation was a virgin birth, a miraculous birth. And there are a lot of important theological reasons for this, but this podcast highlighted two, and I wanted to share them with you because I found them very profound. Uh, and the first is just this, is that if the birth stories in the Gospels are presented to us as history. And so if Mary wasn't a virgin, then Christmas isn't history. And if it's not history, then it's not gospel. It's merely a moralizing story. And a moralizing story tells you what you should do in the imitation of the people that are a part of the story. But the gospel, Christianity is gospel, and gospel is news. It tells you of what God has done. And Christianity is just that. It is the gospel good news of God's rescue of us breaking into earth 
to save. And the second thing is that if Mary wasn't a virgin, then Christmas isn't miracle. It isn't supernatural. But that is the very thing, again, Christianity claims. It's what makes Christianity Christianity, not just religion. And so Michael Reeves has said, the virgin birth shows that salvation must be of God. It is an almighty no to all works righteousness. Christianity is miraculous because it is grace. It is from God. That's the good news we preach. He comes all of the way, which is what he meant when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But here's the question. Do you believe this? Do you believe? It's really the question we're confronted with this year and every year. It's what Jesus asks of us in verse 1. Believe in God. Believe also in me, he says. And so do you believe in Christmas? Do you have the Christmas spirit, right? Do you believe in Christmas? Do you believe it is history? Do you believe it is miracle? C.S. Lewis, who most of you know I just adore, uh, he was notoriously a Scrooge when it came to Christmas, which makes me love him even more for some reason. But he said that if, if it's true, if it's true, if what we're here to talk about and celebrate tonight is true, then it's the most important thing. But if it's not true, it's not important at all. The only thing it can't be is just moderately true, modestly true. If it's true, then it is the most important thing But if it's not true, then just don't bother whatsoever. But if it's true, it's a life rearranging truth. And so the only way to believe is with your whole life. It's a truth so big that it demands everything. And so you you don't celebrate Christmas with Christmas trees and white elephant gift exchanges. I mean, those things aren't bad in themselves. They're just not enough. You celebrate Christmas by arranging your whole life around the claim that it makes. Because it's a cosmic claim. It's a truth too big to be anything other than life rearranging. And there's a difference between believing in Jesus and believing him. Do you believe him? Do you believe him? When he says in verse 7, from now on, you can know the Father because you've seen him. Through me, Jesus says, you can be reconciled to God. You can know him, not just as God, but as Father. And we know that the love of a mother and a father is what makes home home. The Bible says that only God's love can quiet our troubled hearts. Only the knowledge that at the center of reality there is a heart like the heart of a true father who delights in his children. Jesus said from now on, you can know because you've seen it. There's evidence. It's there right before your eyes. And we need to ask where, how. And then he points to himself and says, in me, of course. Christmas is God's revelation of himself so that we never have to doubt his love ever again. Do you believe? Do you know what that's like? Do you know what it's like to be so convinced of God's love for you because of what he's done here at this holiday, which we celebrate, that it just rearranges your whole heart? It just drains it of all the anxiety and stress that you might feel? Jamie Smith describes it perfectly. He says it's the exhale of someone who has been holding their breath out of fear or worry or insecurity, the blissful rest of someone who realizes she's no longer has to perform because she's loved, she's safe. It's the exhale of someone who has finally arrived. Have you ever experienced that? Because that is the very offer that Jesus is giving to us, to so see the Father's love in him that we exhale like that's just described because we hear God himself saying to us tonight, welcome home. And so what a joy for me to get to stand before you and say these words yet again, rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel has come to thee. Amen.
Pray with me, would you? Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us to empty the treasury of heaven and given us your beloved Son for us. Father, you are so generous. And Lord Jesus, we marvel at the mystery of your incarnation. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you help us to consider the implications of the coming of Christ and to believe. Fill our hearts with faith and fill us with the wonder of Mary and the obedience of Joseph and the joy of the angels and the eagerness and the worship of the shepherds and the determination and the perseverance of the Magi and then fill our, our, our mouths with songs of praise for you indeed are worthy. We pray all of it in your name. Amen. And so receive the promise of benediction. God is so worked by sending his son into the world that we can be absolutely confident of his love for us, for all of those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. These words are your promise and your hope. They are your surety so that the feet no longer shakes, the ground no longer shakes beneath your feet. You no longer feel shaky inside because you're bolstered by the promise these words bring to you. And so if your faith is in Jesus, receive these. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace both now and forevermore. Amen. Merry Christmas. Go in peace. God bless you.